0: Hello, hello! Welcome back to the Feel Good Factor. I'm Susmita Veganosaurus and I'm so glad you could join me here today. Hi everyone! Today I have a guest, Namita Kulkarni. Namita is a travel and yoga blogger. She runs the blog Radically Ever After. And she is also an artist. So she says that she's been doing a lot of painting during the past few months of the lockdown. Namita is here today to discuss about her journey into how she got into traveling and all that. To give you a little bit of a backstory, Namita and I tried to do a recording uh, a few months ago, just around the time the lockdown had started sometime in uh, early April. And uh, unfortunately, that recording didn't pan out. Finally, I'm just happy that uh, I've got her back on board. We're going to do the episode today, and uh, I hope you all really enjoy it. Hey Namita, so good to have you here. Hi Sushmita, so good to be here chatting with you today again. So, Namita, tell us a bit about you. You are a travel and yoga blogger. What is that? Well, so I started this travel and yoga blog
1: sometime in 2014 which seems like a very long time ago. So I began it just because I was really excited about sharing my travel adventures with the world in a way that would last and in a way that wouldn't make anybody's ears fall off because I could go on and on talking about it forever. So it just seemed like the most civilized thing to do would be to write about it. And that way I get to remember and relive and relish my memories all over again even later on, because you tend to forget a lot of the funny details and the interesting anecdotes that happen. Unless you write them down, they evaporate and it's like it never happened then. So I love to come back from a trip and to look back on it and then to sit and write what I got from it, just to like, you know, give myself a way to look back on it later. And then also it's a way for other people to enjoy and maybe vicariously travel. Like a lot of people tell me, they enjoy that aspect of reading my writing. Yes, yeah, so that's how I began the blog. And then, you know, one thing led to another and it picked up, got more and more read over the years. And now I just love writing and sharing on it whenever I can.
0: <laughs> that sounds lovely. And you're right. We tend to forget a lot of the stuff when we do traveling and you know especially the little details so the big things they're there in your mind but there's so many little details little memories which it's so nice to record them in words because just pictures aren't enough for that that's so lovely that uh, you know you got the idea to share your travel stories in such a way that it would make people interested to know more about it also you know now that uh, we are all under lockdown what does it feel like being someone who for quite some time now, a major part of your life has been traveling, going around the world and taking on projects. A lot of your work was related to traveling. So, what's it like now during the lockdown where you are now just in one place? It must have been a huge pivot, a huge overhaul in your life. So, what does it feel like and how are you handling that whole thing?
1: Yes, indeed. It's been like a big interesting chapter in my life where I can't just take off anytime I feel like now. And this is the longest I've stayed put in a place in a very long time, because I think for the last six months, since I came back from Vietnam, end of Feb, since then, I've just been here in Mysore, not left the city. And this would have been unthinkable for me under normal circumstances to stay put in one place, not travel. So that It is a little strange, but then I'm also, I think I've been handling it pretty well and also learning to enjoy it because I'm painting. I got into these pen and ink drawings. Now I'm using some strange new materials to paint with. So I'm experimenting a lot while I'm in this apparently confined state. So you kind of learn to find freedom within the restriction. So that's what I'm doing. And also another thing for me, like when I see a lot of my traveler friends online as well, always talking about, I can't wait to travel, I can't wait to travel. I don't feel that way because for me, a big part of being a traveler is that you don't fixate on any one thing and that includes travel. So for me, it's really important that I'm not so fixated on even traveling, you know, so that way I like the experiment that this lockdown has been for me.
0: Oh, that's lovely. And I like how you said that being a traveler is also not, you know, it's not about fixating on any one thing, because you are moving from one place to another. And I like how you've moved that metaphorically, even in within your life where you are not fixated on a state of traveling, and you are finding your adventures and interesting things where you are, whatever life has brought to you, you're just uh, living in that moment. And The drawings, the art, that sounds very beautiful. It's very nice to see that your creativity is being uh, stoked. And perhaps you could share a couple of uh, pictures of your painting so that I can uh, put it in the blog post of the podcast. Yeah, sure. I'd love to do that. And I even
1: made videos this time of me drawing. And then, you know, you make a time-lapse video when you do a drawing from the blank page to the finished drawing. That's something I always wanted to do. It was one of those things in the back of my head and this lockdown I finally made that happen because I've always found it fascinating to watch a drawing process like from the blank page to the finished stage so finally I got down to doing that so I can send you those that might be fun
0: yeah yeah yeah. that sounds actually like a lot of fun and uh, I would love to watch those too I'm like you I like watching people do the uh, the drawing or any art You know, just watching the process happen, that's very nice. And time-lapse, like you said, that's a more fun way of uh, watching it because it moves, the pace is much faster. So within that, you know, one, two minutes, three minutes, you're able to see the whole art uh, come into being. And that's lovely. If you posted it on uh, Insta videos or YouTube or anywhere, just share the links. I'll post the links in the blog uh, post. Yeah, that sounds fun. So Namita, what about... um, Yoga is also a big part of your life, right? So tell us a little bit about that. And uh, I think you first started off as a lawyer and then became a yoga teacher and then became a traveler. So that's a lot of pivoting that you have done in your life. So I'm not at all surprised that, you know, when, when life threw this curveball of staying at home, you just pivoted to something else altogether. So tell us a bit about that whole journey of uh, yours.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, it does sound really funny now that I listen to you, you know, relay that to me. That, yeah, I start off doing this law thing and then I get into teaching yoga. And in between, I was editing legal journals. I even tried, I did this painting thing full time for about a couple of years as well in my 20s at some point. So, yeah, it's not been a very logical progression, but it's been fun. And I've been doing what I felt called to do. And I've always somehow been sane about it. Somehow I stayed practical, even if I was doing something that looked very whimsical or impulsive on the outside. So, yeah, that's um, just how it's been for me so far. And, yeah, like you said, even the lockdown, I managed to adapt to it, I guess, somehow. So, yeah, I'm glad I have that skill. Of Apparently, so far, fingers crossed, I've been adapting to the changes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I I don't think it's just a so far thing. I feel like it's, I mean, you know, having listened to your journey before also, I feel like you just have this innate skill and it's not even, um, you know, what I'd say is it's not even a skill in the sense of somebody should have the skill to be able to do this, you know, to adapt, to pivot, but it's more like you accept and you follow your joy and happiness. You do whatever makes you happy in that moment, whatever makes sense, whatever brings you that kind of fulfillment and joy. And you are willing to just, you know, jump into that and take it where it goes. And of course, that leads to success, right? Because it always leads to something beautiful because you're following, following your greatest uh, joy. Yeah, I think so. And also success, I'd like to, I like to look at it from a
1: personal viewpoint rather than following the world's definition of success. So for me, when I started the blog, I was like really clear that for me, I'm amazed if there's one person that reads this and it touches them in some way, maybe, maybe makes their day a little better, maybe helps them decide something, maybe helps them just laugh a little. So I define success literally as like, if one person reads this and likes it, then it's a success. So I like, I like it that way, because that way, the stakes are low, you don't have the pressure, and you're also valuing the impact it can have on even one person. So you're not saying it has to be like, it has to go viral and break the internet only then it's successful. You know, a lot of people tend to define success in these very external capitalist terms. And that way you set yourself up for disappointment. Instead, if you look at just, you know, how it's going to affect maybe one person that it touches and you value that it will have an effect on this one person and that is important, then the whole game changes for you. And that way, you're also a lot more lighthearted. You're taking yourself less seriously, which works for creative people. I think that's a good thing to do. So, yeah, that's been a good way for me to go about it. And also, yeah, like you said, following what gives you joy. So I really believe in following your excitement, the deepest excitement that you have, not just like the superficial one, but like if you really go deep into your heart and find out what is really deeply exciting you at the moment, and then you follow that, then you're on the right track because what you're deeply excited about, that is what is resonating with who you are. And if you're following those clues, then you're on the track of who you are. You know, so you feel more aligned in life. You just feel like I'm doing the thing that I'm meant to do. So I think that's somehow
0: it seems to have worked for me. You know, so that's something I recommend. Oh, that's beautiful. So what I did recently was I I started a website and uh, I blog about each of these. So each podcast episode is on a blog and things like that. And in each post, I take a little quote from if if it's a solo cast, then just a quote from whatever I've said, you know, a little snippet from the podcast and I post it. And uh, if it's somebody I'm interviewing, then something, you know, very profound that uh, they have said, I type that out in the quote box. In your case, every other time you speak, I'm I'm like, oh, that's the quote I'll use. And then after some time you're saying something else as profound, I'm like, okay, that's the quote I use. You know, you're you're just saying such beautiful things. <laughs> I'm so glad you appreciate
1: it so much. Mm-hmm.
0: I agree with you on the whole parameters for success in terms of how is it serving someone, what kind of impact is it making, not how many people. It's serving rather but more like how much is it serving even that one person or two person and that's a beautiful way to look at it and a lot of creative people a lot of us uh, don't always look at it that way you know we all tend to fall into this whole how many likes do I have how many comments do I have you know this whole cycle of validation is what we fall into and it's so nice that having been in this field for so many years you have actually come out of any of that kind of a habit of 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 expecting the reach to be so wide and yet of course i do see that your blog does have a quite a big reach and even so does your instagram channel and everything when people are commenting liking whatever it is it's a very it's from the heart it's an organic growth it's an organic reach and that's what's beautiful about it because it's real and you can see that people are actually feeling the impact of your work versus just you know just coming there and liking and commenting on that
1: yeah I, that's so important that you have and you feel a real connection with these people that you interact with online because especially on these apps like instagram or any social media apps they are shortening people's attention spans right i mean we all go there we're scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and So it can get very mechanical and sometimes you may even comment on something or you might read a comment from someone and not feel like it was really meant. You know, it could even be a bot for all you know, right? So that's the world we live in. So it's nice when once in a while or whenever, even if, you know, you get like, maybe you're not getting that many likes or whatever, but if you're getting like one person connecting with you there, that's more valuable to me than having a million tiny attention spans on you.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And I do know that, you know, during this whole uh, process of the lockdown and everything, you have taken time off from being online, kind of, you know, taken lots of breaks from the internet and stuff like that. Uh, Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, I'd be glad to. It's so important to log off every now and then. I mean, it's a beautiful tool,
1: social media. I don't want to, you know, throw it under the bus completely. But at the same time, it's when it starts to distract you from your own life, that's when you know that it's eating into your life in a way that you don't want it to. You know, it's not adding to it, it's eating into your life. So that's when you need to have the awareness to stop and be like, no, I'm going to stay with my life here, not get distracted from my life into random strangers' lives who are posting curated versions of their lives. You know, so instead of going into all these other things, I'm going to stay present with my life and see what my life has to offer me. Even if right now my life might seem not so exciting and there's nothing much and I'm feeling like running away from whatever I need to face here. Even with all that, if you can just have the awareness to say, no, I'm going to my my life deserves my attention more than all these strangers lives online. You know, if you can remember that, that's great. And we do live in an age where it's an information superhighway. Like there's so much information thrown at you every single day, the second you step online. So and your nervous system, your brain, it's not meant to process that much bad news or even general information. So you're doing yourself a huge favor if you take the time to say no to the internet for whatever period of time that you can. There's even an account on Instagram called time to log off or something like that. So it's ironic, okay. but it's, it's an interesting account to follow there. And also these apps are designed to be addictive. So they've you know gotten the best brains, the best engineers out there to design these apps in a way that you get addicted. So it's not your fault. I don't want to blame anyone for being addicted. They literally walked right into the trap. They didn't know that you know these apps are just designed to get you addicted to them and before you know it you are addicted to them so it's a good idea to delete those apps or to just like get off the internet for a while and just check in with what are the headlines in my life today what's the breaking news in my life what's really going around with me
0: you know often we think that we will check into our own lives but if we are online if we are spending a lot of time on the internet the time just slips through and you don't realize and then you again you're left with oh okay fine I'll check into my life tomorrow so that's (laughs) what happened. (laughs) I want to know a little bit more also about you know your journey when you started speaking right at the beginning you said that you started off being a lawyer and then you pivoted into this so what made you do that and you know what was everybody's reaction around you when you pivoted that way, and how did you handle everything?
1: Oh well, so I graduated from law. I think I was twenty-one or twenty around then, and I had a gold medal in constitutional law, which is very useful right now, apparently. <laughs> so okay, yeah. So I had that, and I the logical next step seemed to be go and work in a law firm somewhere because I'd done my internship in a really, really old law firm in Bangalore, a very prestigious one. But that internship had actually shown me that I don't want a life in this profession. I do not have the temperament for it. I don't have the patience for how slow the Indian legal system is. And I just can't spend my life doing this. So yeah, and I came up with this thing that, you know, I'm going to be a yoga teacher. So of course, the reaction was not very friendly. <laughs> you can imagine it's an Indian middle class family and they have all these fixed aspirations for you. Boxes have to be checked. A logical progression has to be shown and you have to just color within the lines. So yeah, the reaction when I said that I'm going to be a yoga teacher and this is what I've decided, the reaction was not very supportive and friendly, as you can imagine. People reacted basically as if I'd said, I'm going to be a drug dealer now. <laughs> This whole academic background that I had going for me, so that became a monkey on my back. I regretted winning the gold medal because the number of times I heard people say, "You want a gold, and you're going to go throw away all that and do this yoga teaching thing," like it was just such a, such a lowly thing to do, you know. And this was back when yoga was not cool. This was way back, like 2009 or maybe 2010 or something like that. So now it's a cool thing. You know, people ask you. How do you become a yoga teacher? How can I become one? Can you teach me? People are excited now. But back then, it was really somehow looked down on, which is strange because, you know, I would expect that this is something we'd be proud of as
0: Indians. So when you became a yoga teacher, were you already practicing yoga? Is that why you got uh, attracted to it?
1: Yeah, so I started practicing when I was 17. And it really, really saved me massively because I was going through a crazy time back when I was 17. I was growing up with an alcoholic father who was emotionally abusive. and there was just a lot of hostility at home. And I discovered this yoga class close by and it just like did something to free up the space inside my brain. I don't know how else to put it. So I would walk out of every class feeling like I'm walking on a cloud now and, you know, it was amazing. And also, like, I had, I had like, some breakdowns as well, because this is another thing that happens to a lot of people who start yoga, where after a few weeks or maybe days, you start to cry a lot. Like, it's like you're releasing a lot of pent-up trauma and grief. So that happened. And I knew that, okay, this stuff is powerful. You know, I thought it was just some excuse to be out of the house. But it's turning out to really have an impact on me. So I started to pay more attention to how this is affecting me. And I noticed that, you know, it can seem a little chaotic sometimes. You know, sometimes I'm crying like that. Sometimes I'm feeling amazing. Eventually things balanced out and I found a good equation with the practice where I knew that this is good for me. So finally, I became really trusting with the practice that this is something that's good for me. It's working for me. So that helped for me to get consistent with my practice. And then even if there wasn't a class, I would be practicing from books. In fact, when I began practicing in 17, it was with a book and then the class came along and then I moved. So the class wasn't around, but I stuck to the practice one way or another. And yeah, that's how I had a respect for the practice that this does good things to people. Somehow it you know shifts things inside you in, in a way that can feel crazy in the moment but finally it's you know it's for your good so i i knew that it would be nice to share this with people i felt really that conviction when something's worked for you then you can say that yeah i know it will work for other people too so i felt like yeah i really would like to share this with people and that's how i got into teaching so yeah it was interesting that way
0: that's just beautiful and again it goes back to this your desire to serve and to make an impact, then there is no looking back. If you're practicing all along and it's helped you so much and that's why you want to become a teacher, then you've found your calling right there, right? And yeah, as you were saying, you know, it is surprising that your family and people around you, they didn't think it was good enough for you to be a yoga teacher, especially because we're Indian and it's such a beautiful, ancient Practice and it's something to be proud of. <laughs> what about your traveling journey? How did that begin and how did that take off?
1: Well, it's connected to the yoga actually because I went to Rishikesh for a yoga teacher training, which was for one month, and I had a really nice time there because I just met people from all over the world and we spent about a week in this really remote Himalayan village called Netala. So that's where the ashram was. And it felt like going back in time a few centuries because this place is literally off the grid. There's no question of cell phone reception. Forget about internet or anything. And everything there is really quaint and the way you would imagine a village would be two centuries ago. You know, like the people had the simplicity about them, the animals moving about without any fear of humans getting close to them. And just... How fresh the air was, and the, the river Ganga flowing right there. So I had a really wonderful time with that little bit of travel that happened in that one month, and that gave me a sense that you know I might get really fond of this travel thing, and you know, so it kind of planted the bug in me. I think that trip, and then eventually I I traveled internationally because. I randomly came across this message by a friend of mine saying that there's a health project in Mauritius, and, you know, if you're interested, get in touch. So I asked her what it was about, and she was in my dance class. That's how I knew her. And she told me that, yeah, you know, we need a bunch of volunteers to, you know, do this health project in Mauritius. And I told her, yeah, I'd love to. I teach yoga, and I can teach kids in schools, and that's what they wanted. They wanted someone to teach, in, teach kids in schools and orphanages. And to kind of increase the level of health awareness that people have there. And it sounded like, yeah, this is something I would enjoy doing. And they would take care of your accommodation and food in return for this. And, you know, there was some kind of deal of that sort, which made it financially feasible for me. So I jumped into this like pretty impulsively, but also with a lot of conviction that this is going to be so great. And it was, I mean, it was a little crazy here and there because it wasn't as organized as one might expect. But I still managed to have a pretty good time there. I mean, you're in Mauritius, so you better have a good time,
0: right? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, and yeah, so that was, I think, my first solo international trip. I jumped off a few waterfalls, went swimming, and had a lot of fun time with all these random kids in different schools. A lot of them didn't know much English, and I don't know any French, and they speak French. And while I was teaching them yoga, the language, of course, was a big... Barrier, because you know we we didn't have a common language to talk in. But I realized they would just copy everything that I did, so they were showing up with two hundred percent enthusiasm, and that made up for the language barrier. So if I even adjusted my hair, they would all be adjusting their hair. (laughs) It felt like I have ten or twenty mirrors in front of me. So I realized that okay, you know, when people bring in this much enthusiasm, and especially if they're kids, then you know the language really doesn't get in the way that much.
0: That sounds so beautiful. And and then from there, you just started getting more of these kind of uh, projects and these kind of interesting opportunities and then just started traveling. At what point did you start blogging? Um I think there was this Mauritius trip that I did in Jan of 2014.
1: And then I went to a yoga festival in Bali. And after that, I started writing the stories because after these two trips, I just had a ton of stories, a ton of humor. A ton of funny, sad, weird observations that I wanted to share with people. So I think in April of 2014, that's when I decided, okay, I'm just going to start my own blog and you know put it out there. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to send these travel stories to magazines and then wait for them to publish it six months down the line, or if, or never, maybe. I didn't want that. I wanted the autonomy, where you have your own platform. Nobody's giving you a word limit. And you decide on the quality, how good you want it to be and take whatever time you need to take. So you are your own boss. So I liked the autonomy aspect of that, that you create your own platform and just go with it. So, yeah, that's how I started after these two trips. And, yeah, like you said, it was nice to keep, you know, to see how one thing kept leading to another where you have one project and then another. And I won a a contest where... Somehow, I just had to send in like a photo and some writing. And my blog had just begun in April. So in May, I entered this contest. I sent in a photo of me jumping off a waterfall, which someone had taken, which I didn't even know they were taking. But thanks to whoever took it, I still don't know who took it. And then I sent in my blog entry where I'd written about, you know, these travel experiences, the little bit of travel that I'd done. So I won, somehow I won the contest along with 11 other people from the entire country and they sent me to Bolivia all the way in South America so that was a huge thing to win I mean you know if someone sponsors your trip from here to South America and back and takes care of your expenses while you're there that's a pretty big win so for me it was a big affirmation of my blogging thing that I was up to that okay this is a good thing it leads to some interesting opportunities you know I should stick to this
0: As I listen to you talk about your story, I'm realizing that um, it was like, you know, your whole life, every change that you've done, everything you've flowed with, it's like one thing led to another. And if you hadn't gotten out of your law, you know, that would have just been sucking in all your time and you would just be spending all your time there. And there's no way you would have been doing the traveling and this kind of a life. So you had to switch from being a lawyer to going into the whole you know, the yoga and having what you said, autonomy on your whole life, in your whole life to do whatever you want. That kind of, I feel like it opened up all these beautiful opportunities uh, for you. Do you tell people like how often do you talk to people about how much of an impact following your dream, just going with the flow and just, you know, knowing that there is something else, something better, something more beautiful. And also just, each time, it's still a leap, right? It's a leap of faith. Uh, now you said Bolivia, and that's beautiful, and it's a great opportunity. But still, the prospect can also be scary to somebody who's like, "Oh my God, I'm just going to some South American country." <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yes. But having that faith that it's going to actually work out, and let me go do this, and let's see what happens, what comes of it. That I think that's a very, very brave and uh, adventurous thing to do. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, I do. When I look back,
1: I do recognize that a certain amount of recklessness had to be there in me for me to take up these opportunities as well. Because I do know of people who have these opportunities or means to do these things, and they don't, because they have the fear that no, something might go wrong, or maybe I don't deserve it. Or for some reason, they hold themselves back from these adventures as well. So I mean, to each his own, but I'm just glad I had whatever little recklessness I needed to to do these things. And also even to, for me to quit my legal stuff. When I say legal stuff, I mean, I was doing a legal job, actually. I had a job with a publishing company where I was editing legal journals. A proper desk job, dry as hell. I was bored out of my skull doing it. But I was doing it for two years, somewhere in my mid-20s. And I had to quit that in order to go to Rishikesh and do that yoga teacher training course. So it took me a lot of thinking and overthinking and analyzing. You know how we get into that? Before you leave your stable paycheck, you think 120 times about, am I doing the right thing? So I remember being in that space where I was just like not ready to jump off the ledge of that stable paycheck of a corporate job. So I finally did, but I think I was able to do it also because I'd saved up some amount of money. You know, I, I had for two years slogged in that job. Before that, I'd been, you know, selling my paintings here and there, saving money in whatever way that I could. Even from the time I was a child, I've been saving money. That's something that, you know, I learned to do because I saw my dad doing the opposite. So I have him to thank for that lesson. So it helps to have a safety net where you know that you've saved up so much money. And then it really, it can be a great... Way for you to decide that okay, now you know what, even if even if I fail, you know, whatever failure is in your head, like let's say your project, your passion project doesn't take off, even then I have a safety net. So it's important to be pragmatic and adult about it. But a lot of people can also go into being a bit too pragmatic, where then they stay safe throughout, and then nobody looks back and feels thrilled about having played it safe. You Know so there's a balance there, you've got to play it safe to an extent, and then you've got to also take the leap, and that's that's the you know the sweet spot.
0: Mm. I really like that practical advice that you've given because, yes, of course, more commonly people play too safe, that's the problem, and later you know there are regrets like, oh, I didn't do this, I didn't ha- take this opportunity, but you also see the ad- other end of the spectrum where. With zero safety net, with zero planning, people just jump in, go from here to there to there and just float around. And that leads to a different kind of uh, a prison, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you're not financially stable and uh, insecure, there is a lack of freedom there too. Because then you have to start doing things you may not like in the middle, you know, do take jobs that you don't want to do just so that you can again you know (laughs) try to save up and do something that you like so i like this whole idea of what you said like first save up do that be very careful about that and then use that use that to your benefit and just take that leap of uh, faith Mm -hmm. balance is important playing safe and being reckless like there has to be a bit of both (laughs) yeah so namita i wanted to ask you What about if somebody wants to pivot from what they're doing right now? See, right now, when people are at home during uh, COVID, during the lockdown, a lot of people are self-reflecting and reconsidering uh, their choices in life. And I feel that's something that's beautiful that's uh, come out of this whole situation. It's really making people think and reflect on what is their priority is this what they want to do with their life is this the relationship they want to be in (laughs) there are so many things that people are questioning and the best part of life is to always be constantly questioning and seeing how to shift things so that you're happy and fulfilled so now people are being forced to do that so if somebody who doesn't know what to do who does want to pivot who does want to do something else in their lives what kind of advice would you give them so they can bravely do this, regardless of what people around them say?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. This entire COVID era has made us all rethink our priorities. I've seen that in myself as well. And it's great that, you know, it's give, giving us a chance to hit that pause button and actually check in with, is this the life that I want to live, which is such an important question. You know, like. Am I living the way that I would really like to live? So yeah, if someone wants to pivot, I would say first get really, really clear on what it is that you want to do. And then I would say, you want to make sure that you have your safety net in place because we're all adults here. We have to be responsible for our decisions. So you don't want to gamble away the last bit of your savings on something that may or may not put a roof over your your head tomorrow. So don't be that extreme reckless. Have a sense of how much money this pivoting is going to cost you. And do you have like, let's say, at least the next six or seven months living expenses with you to bank upon, to know that, yeah, that'll take care of me while I figure this out. So get those practical aspects sorted. And then, then I would say, don't, you don't need to spend a lot of money in learning some new skills these days, because you have a lot of resources online where you can learn whatever new skill you're looking at learning without spending a bomb, without spending a ton of money. In fact, without spending any money, also you can learn a lot of things online these days. So explore that option. Whatever it is you're trying to pivot into. Like maybe you want to be a chef or you know, a yoga teacher or whatever else. There are really expensive training programs for those, and it's really Seductive you know, you look at them and you think that, yeah, once I get into them, get into that institution, and once I have their certificate of approval, then I'm sorted. But that's not how the world works. So you don't have to go and pay a ton of money to anyone to learn whatever new skill that you want to learn. Explore all the free ways of learning that new skill, and with the internet, there are hundreds of ways do that. So I would say do that, and then you know gather up all the conviction that you have and start small. Start with wherever you are. Like I know that there are yoga teachers who started literally by teaching in their own apartment. One people, one person, two people. And it just grew from there. So start small wherever you are within your means and let your quality do the talking for you. And then enlist the help of people who are your well-wishers, your friends, or hopefully you have helpful family members who can spread the word about what you're doing. You know, so that way you're gathering all the resources that you can to help you. And then you will see things growing and things, you know, acquiring a momentum of their own. And I think that's a good way to go about it. That way you're level-headed. You're not expecting the world out of your new pivoting. You're going step by step. You're taking one step after another. And that way you're not going to be completely disheartened a month down the line because you've been realistic about it and you also give yourself a time frame that I'm giving myself, let's say, a year or however long you think it'll take to get your ropes, to learn your ropes and to sort of establish your footing in this
0: new thing. So yeah, a few, those are the few things I would suggest. Thank you. That's that's great advice. And I hope it does help a lot of people who are listening to this. I'd say especially women, because we are under a lot more restrictions, right? Like the kind of expectations that are put upon us uh, in terms of, I know a lot of young women who are right now, I'm I'm glad I'm way out of that phase. But you know, either like mm-hmm. get married, get married, or like have mm-hmm. kids if you're married, you know, that kind of, those yeah. kind of expectations being put on to them there are so many of them in that stage right now and i hope listening to your story seeing that despite it's not about see many people do this great with a supportive family easy but despite having opposition mm. you managed to do this and you've made your life what you want it to be and that is very very inspiring and i hope it helps a lot of people who are listening to this and motivates them to follow their dreams too but like you said, in a more practical way. (laughs) Yeah. Namita, one last thing. Mm -hmm. How do you, you know, if you don't know what you want to do with your life, but you're not happy with what you're doing right now, Mm. how do you find your purpose? Mm,
1: That's a great question. Mm, I would say don't frame it as how do I find my purpose? Because that sounds daunting in itself. Just go with what's making you feel even a little bit curious or interested. You know, like the tiniest thing that makes you turn your head a bit and go like, hey, I wonder what that's like. So follow that impulse, that little curiosity, that little bit of fascination or sense of intrigue that something gives you. Follow the trail of that, you know. So if you frame it as what is my purpose, it can make it seem like there's only one right answer out of a million options and you have to find the right answer. Otherwise, you're wrong. You know, so that that can be a bit of a high pressure zone. So instead of putting yourself there, go with the tiniest little fascination or curiosity, anything of that sort, and see where that leads. And it will, if you're on the trail of your curiosity and whatever excites you even a little bit, then you're encouraging your brain to think in those manners. So it will lead you from one thing to another to another on that track. So I feel like that's a saner way to go about
0: it. <laughs> that sounds like a very interesting way to go about it. And uh, yeah, and like you said, same, you know, like a more practical way to go about it. So uh, yeah, thank you so much. And uh, if there's anything else you'd like to say, anything else you'd like to share, please go ahead. If not, then uh, tell everybody how they can uh, connect with you, where they can reach out, where they can find your blog, all those things.
1: Ah, sure. So I would like to say my blog is at radicallyeverafter dot com. And I recently wrote a blog post which a lot of people are finding really funny. So if anyone's looking for a laugh, and I think we could all use a laugh right now, I would say head over to my blog and read my new blog post. It's about the funny conversations that I've had on the road. Because when you're traveling, you meet the randomest people and you have the most random conversations. So the last few months I'd been thinking of how I want to write about some of these really funny conversations that I've had on the road. So I've done that finally. It was tricky, but I managed to convey some of the humor through the written word as far as I can see at least. So I think you'll enjoy reading that. So I would say do that. And also I would say, just take this whole COVID era, pandemic, lockdown phase one day at a time, because nobody really has a grip on this. We don't know who's running what right now. So just take it one day at a time and have as much fun as you can with every single day that pops up, you know, just and value your relationships. That's so important in life. The people who really care about you, stay as close to them as you can. If not physically, then through technology. And I think that is what will see us through, you know, each other, taking care of each other and just taking it one day at a time. That's
0: beautiful advice. Please share the link of the specific post. I'm going to, for all my listeners, I'm going to put it on the blog post of the podcast episode and also in the show notes so that you can uh, directly click on the link and go there. And uh, on uh, social media, you're not that active right now?
1: Um, I'm moderately active, I would say. So Instagram, again, my handle is radically ever after.
0: Okay, so people can reach out to you on, on your Instagram. Yes, sure. On Instagram and my email is namitayoga at gmail.com. Cool. I'm going to post all of that in the show notes. So Namita, thank you so much for being here. It was uh, lovely having you on the show. And I love the content that you shared and all the quotable quotes (laughs) that this episode (laughs) is filled with. (laughs) That's really nice of you. And thank you so much for having me again. And
1: yeah, wonderful to have spoken to you again today. (laughs) Okay. Bye.
0: Alrighty, see you then. If you enjoyed this episode of The Feel Good Factor, rate, review and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform, especially Apple Podcasts. If you don't have an iPhone, please leave a review on podchaser.com. You can find my podcast there by going to podchaser.com slash veganosaurus. If you'd like to be notified about the upcoming episodes of The Feel Good Factor, subscribe to my mailing list on my website, veganosaurus.com. V-e-g-a-n-o-s-a-u-r-u-s.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Feel Good Factor. I'm Susmita Veganosaurus and I'm looking forward to talking to you again very soon. Bye!